Welcome to News Data's Energy West, a podcast about the energy industry today and where it's going tomorrow. Hello, I'm Dan Catchpole, reporter with News Data's Clearing Up, joined as always by my co-host and editor of News Data's California Energy Markets, Jason Fordney. News Data covers the energy sector in California, the Northwest, and beyond like no one else. Here are some of our top stories that we're, we've been working on. But first, Jason, happy Memorial Day, and how are you doing? Doing great, Dan. Had a nice little three-day break. Now I did a little mountain biking up here in the Sierra. So yeah, it was nice. Enjoyed myself. How about you? Uh, yeah, had a lovely few days uh yeah break it was we still have not had a day over 65 in seattle so still uh and it was like pouring rain uh yeah. one day this weekend but you know hey it was great uh had some friends over so uh mountain biking that sounds mm-hmm. fantastic um yeah and it sounds like you might have had a more interesting weekend than me not that it's a competition but <laughs> i did put down yeah. a lot of mulch around the yard <laughs> that's and cool it, Anything else? No, not really. Kind of took it easy. I, I um, you know, I played hand drums and some open mics here in Nevada City. Did that um, at a place called Cosmic Roots, and then down at Grass Valley at the Brew Company. This is not an advertisement, but uh, yeah, we do that. <laughs> we have a little music scene here, a lot of local talent. And, uh, yeah, it was great. Good weather. You know, weather here can go from. 100 degrees one day to 65 the next day. So a lot of fluctuation, but it was nice. That sounds like a roller coaster. Yeah. And uh, for yeah. listeners who don't know, uh, our intro music is from, uh, is by Jason's band. Yeah. So. Thanks. My, that's my old band back on the East Coast, Zero Mercury. What was that? Uh, yeah. Uh, the name of the band was Zero Mercury. Zero Mercury. Yeah. Do you have a band name now? Do you have a, a a band that you're in now uh we have one we're starting up it's called lloyd street uh which is named after the street we practice on and mm. then yeah i have a couple little projects i i play with here in town um pete and penelope my friend it's a father daughter combo and yeah a lot of a lot of local musicians here a lot of fun yeah there's a well, I was going to say there's like a tradition of bands naming themselves after roads, but actually the yeah. only one I can think of is Sleater Kenny um, and then the album Abbey Road. So there you go. It's a tradition of at least two of <laughs> albums and and a band, an album and a band. You know, I, I have very, very little to know musical talent, but I always thought I'd be good at coming up with band names. Yeah. So maybe I can start a consulting firm. The only other one I can think of is Incubus. I think it was called Ocean Boulevard. But there you go. That's a nice little trivia question. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Stow that away. All right. Um, well, hey, I'll uh, get a start here with a, a story that we broke this last week. Yeah. Nice EPA. job. EPA. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, every once in a while, I, I have a good day. Uh, BPA is considering joining the Western Markets Exploratory Group and expects to have a public decision by early June. And from what I'm told, it sounds like it could be any day. Uh, the federal agency is one of seven entities in the West that could soon join join the informal group. The group has 14 members. They came together last summer uh, to evaluate possible organized regional market structures. 
And potential new members were contacted in mid-May and asked to decide in a short timeline within a few weeks. Bonneville, uh, like I said, expects to have a final decision soon. And um, unofficially, it sounds like they are leaning towards joining, but uh, that is not a confirmed decision. So look for more updates soon. Uh, Vista, based in Spokane, is also considering joining. Uh, and then the Western Markets Exploratory Group, or WMEG, um, they're looking to find long-term solutions for the biggest impediments to greater market participation in the West, such as transmission sharing, governance, meeting greenhouse uh, reduction targets, which vary from state to state. You can read my full report on our website, newsdata.com. And uh, yeah, and certainly look for more on that. Uh, I know Abby, Abigail Sawyer's done some reporting mm-hmm. on that for you guys in the past. Um, so it's, it's a really influential group coming together of some pretty big name utilities. And the addition of Bonneville really just adds a lot of weight and uh gravity and momentum to the work that they do they're the members aren't trying to they're not trying to make a collective decision that's not the goal um at least that's not the stated goal yeah uh but certainly the views they yeah, being together uh they're going to shape each other's views shape each other's views um and i have to think that that's going to it's going to have some influence on where we ultimately land long-term in um, the market structures in the West. And so like these, let's see, we've got uh, Los Angeles, uh, Department of Water and Power, Tucson Electric, Salt River, XL Colorado, uh, Seattle, City Light, Puget Sound Energy, Portland, Pacific Core. Um, Yeah, a lot of really big utilities across the West. But uh, speaking of across the West, we've got some more summer reliability security assessments about the WEC. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, this sort of building on some of the recent reporting we've done on reliability in the West this summer, some, you know, rather grim news in terms of uh, possibility of rolling blackouts. I've been told that to refer to them as outages, not blackouts. Anyhow, um, yeah, uh, WAC, Western Electricity Coordinating Council, held a summer reliability workshop on May 24th and 25th, and they dug a little deeper into the myriad risks facing the bulk power system this summer. They range from drought, of course, and wildfires to cybersecurity threats, generation retirements, and some pretty dramatic supply chain issues. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, yeah, and the cyber, there was quite a bit of attention paid to cybersecurity here by WEC. They said the war in Ukraine has increased the chance that Russia will launch cyber attacks against U.S. energy systems. Uh, this is according to WEC's senior resource adequacy expert, Amanda Sargent. Uh, there's also supply chain issues, including transportation delays, slowdowns in obtaining goods and services, and economic dynamics that are pushing out the start dates for new resources. This is something we're seeing in California. Also, the federal government's investigation into solar panel sourcing has led into much uncertainty in supply and prices uh, there. And there's also questions about new technologies such as hydrogen and how they will be deployed. 
Um, some interesting findings in here. Natural gas units have more scheduled re retirements over the next 17 years than coal units. That's according to Chelsea Andrews, a performance analyst at WEC. Uh, there's a sharp increase in scheduled retirements over the next five years. She says, quote, the main concern with these retiring plants is ensuring that the capacity loss is replaced with other resources, unquote. The clear trend is a move away from fossil fuel resources towards solar, wind, and storage, of course. Mm. And just to finish up on the cybersecurity side, Tom Williams, who's manager of entity monitoring and cybersecurity at WEC, said, there's no winning a cybersecurity war. At best, there's a stalemate or a detente. The main threat he sees is stolen credentials. Bad actors will often lurk for months or years within a computer system before looking for an opportune time to strike. It's literally a battlefield out there, a cyber battlefield. He said, I asked during the presentation, what, where are the areas of greatest risk? And he said, the major substations that control the grid. If you lose those, cascading outages, wide area damage, and also energy management systems and control centers. Understanding why cybersecurity is so important. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's such a nerve-wracking idea that they can lurk their like sleeper, yes. sleeper intrusions. Uh, they can just lurk there for years, waiting to uh, for the opportunity to wake yep. up and and do some damage. Mm -hmm. Very unnerving. It is, and uh, he made the point that. Yeah, it's not. It, they will pick an opportune time. They won't just reveal themselves um, at any point. They'll do it when it's the most strategic. So that's, as he said, an ongoing battle that will never quite uh, end. And he said most of the attacks come from nation states. Yeah. So sophisticated, large number of adversaries, et cetera. Not that it's any news to anybody working in this industry, but um, yeah, cybersecurity concerns are these. These attacks are endemic. They're not. Uh, yeah, there's, there's no finish line. So BPA is trying to put a finish line on paying down its debt uh, debt to asset ratio. Last week, BPA unveiled a draft plan to adopt financially sustainable policies for funding capital investments. Right now, the Federal Power Marketing Agency relies entirely on borrowing to cover capital expenditures. The proposed draft plan's key goals are paying down its debt load and freeing up revenue to put back into capital expenditures rather than borrowing. Uh, achieving these goals will make it easier for Bonneville to keep costs down for public power customers, which is a perennial concern for utilities and uh, especially uh, concern now as they're going into negotiating new public power preference contracts. Uh, the current contracts expire 2028. Bonneville usually spends between $500 million and $1 billion a year on capital projects. BPA wants to lower its debt-to-asset ratio from about 83% today to 60% by 2040, and that's across the agencies or the agency. The actual levels vary somewhat by power and transmission. Bonneville is taking public comments on its draft plan through June 16th. You can read the full story and uh, more coverage by my colleague Rick Adair at newsdata.com. I just I want to clarify when I said the 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 exact rates are different between the power and the transmission agency I was talking about the existing debt to asset ratio the 83% today it's um it's not 83% split evenly it's uh 
somewhat different. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but the 60% goal, I believe, applies to both power and transmission. Just want to clarify that. So, uh, pretty major change in policy there from BPA, looks like. Yeah, they're really trying to uh, cement some practices uh, to set them, like, well, yeah, on a fi- financially sustainable path. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but you've got a story about CEC and uh, state policies not meeting long term emissions goals. Did I see that right? Yes, this is coverage from Linda Daly Paulson. Uh, California Energy Commission, uh, a majority of the latest demand scenarios show the policies and actions aren't aren't sufficiently aggressive for California to meet its 2030 and 2050 greenhouse gas reduction targets. This is according to CEC staff. Regardless, CEC members at a May 24th meeting adopted all the demand scenarios. Uh, There's three of them, reference, policy compliance, and mitigation. These are for 2030, 2050 greenhouse gas targets. Um, The overarching purpose of the demand scenarios is to assess what the state's energy usage might look like through 2050. The demand scenarios examine what existing and proposed state programs, standards, and policies, such as those for decarbonization and electrification, could what they could achieve. Of the three demand scenarios, the reference scenario extends the integrated energy policy report forecast to 2050. Um, so yeah, the, those results are then compared with renewable energy and greenhouse gas emissions reductions goals. We asked the CEC why they adopted plans that don't meet the state targets. Spokesperson Michael Ward explained this is similar to what the agency does with its integrated energy policy report forecast results. Quote, not all forecast results are used for grid planning, but they're useful to show what the different outcomes could be, Ward said in an email. Um, so yes, some interesting findings from the Energy Commission there, and uh, these ambitious greenhouse gas targets are not going to be easy to achieve. So again, that was reporting yeah. from Linda on that one. Yeah, uh, this industry—we've got a lot of really ambitious targets yes. to meet coming in the next few decades. Just like the mm-hmm. whole world does. So scientists have finished gathering data for the largest ever winter survey of North Pacific salmon. Back on shore, the scientists are analyzing the data now. Experts from five countries were at sea from February through late April, compiling the data, which uh, they are hoping will lead to better understanding of how increasingly extreme climate variability in the North Pacific Ocean influence the abundance, distribution, migration, and growth of Pacific salmon. Uh, this re- article is reported by Casey Mahaffey, and you can read more about her fish coverage and, and the full story on this at newsdata.com. Right. Yeah, Casey, definitely on top of that topic. I always enjoy reading her coverage. Yeah. Um, yeah. Back in California, we're still in the reliability talk- topic. Governor Gavin Newsom requested state lawmakers approve $8 billion from the state's general fund over five years to support the transition to cleaner energy, maintain grid reliability, provide relief to electric rate payers. His revised budget, which would require approval uh, down at the state house, the revised budget includes $1.2 billion for utility ratepayer relief through the California Arrearage Payment Program. Uh, Newsom has said that the state has a 900, and, I'm sorry, Say that again, $97.5 billion budget surplus. 
his new proposal out of this eight billion, six point seven billion for energy reliability, including four point two five billion for investments in strategic assets that will seek five gigawatts of capacity. Uh, this mostly include new emergency capacity that could be called on by grid operators. What we've seen historically is these are emergency gas units. Um, we did this last year. The CEC approved an exemption for the California Department of Water Resources to install five 30 megawatt natural gas fired units. Um, another portion of the 6.7 billion would go to extending the life of existing generation by renewing expiring permits, doing efficiency upgrades. Uh, and then there's four point, the 4.25 billion for strategic assets might include the, this uh, temporary generation. Uh, yeah, really interesting. You know, here in California, we have obvious shortfalls and now a lot of scrambling, uh, a lot of money being thrown at the problem. Of course, what we're seeing with the procurement, the emergency procurement is that it takes more than money. It takes materials, labor, uh, transportation, and supply chain is really affecting that. So we shall yeah, see. Indeed. Yep. Um, but several more billion dollars coming from uh, state government. We know how politically sensitive blackouts or outages are in California. That's what <laughs> led to Gray Davis leaving office. Back in who, who said that? Who? Who asked, told you, requested, what, what have you, um, say <laughs> outages, not blackouts? That sounds like a uh, a flack uh, for somebody. This is actually on Twitter. Um, got into a little conversation. You know, I'm, I'm fairly active on Twitter, and I have a pretty tightly energy-focused list of followers. But someone said, I have to track the tweet down but um, so I can attribute they said, energy media, if you're listening, blackouts refer to the entire grid going down and having to restart. Hmm. You should be using the term outages. This is from, uh, let me see, Mike O'Boyle, who's Director of Electricity Policy at Energy and of LLC. Probably someone that knows more than I do, uh, blackout is total grid failure. So he, he said, normalized ro rolling outages. Um, I said, I'm not totally convinced. An outage also refers to intentional shutdowns. Uh, so we just had some banter on that. I don't know. What do you think? Of, I don't see the mainstream media changing from blackouts. That's what they call them. <laughs> yeah, this, this is one of, yeah, this is, uh, one of those terms where there is a more somewhat somewhat more technical definition and yet there's the popular definition yeah. that even a lot of people in the industry understand it in that terms in that term right. the popular uh definition so mm -hmm. i i tend to lean towards you know right like the person on the street would talk uh, yeah uh, that's just the yeah, uh, taking a page from Hemingway. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Get out all the of, adjectives and, and write like a person talks. That's a good advice. You know, in, in the newspaper world, we're taught as plain English as possible. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know on this one. Um, 
I'm trying to think if you know someone like Kaiso uses blackouts or outages. I think they probably use outages. Of course, they use more technical terms like load shed events. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, I certainly have had to use that plenty of times where I've said, you know, the risk of loss of load because, you know, in an adequacy issue, we're not necessarily talking about actually shedding load or mm-hmm. a or a grid shutting down, but just yeah, ability to fully meet load. And yeah, it just, so, I mean, that's the other thing you need to write accurately. That's most important. So, this and will Depends on the circumstances sometimes. Yeah. This will be one of the things that, I don't know if this happens to you, every single time this comes up, I'll be thinking about this every time I write blackouts or maybe I'll say outages. Maybe I'll look into a little bit more. Yeah. Seems to be important to some people. And now we're going to have a 10-minute discussion about how to use (laughs) M-dashes because I've had that before in a newsroom. But I actually, I will spare all of our listeners that you have to pay extra to hear that. Um, Bonus episode. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, May 26th marked the 40th anniversary of Clearing Up's inaugural issue. Uh, Cyrus Noy launched the publication and the company News Data which publishes Clearing Up as well as California energy markets in the wake of the whoops scandal, which remains the largest public bond default in American history. We're still paying that down here in Washington. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good way to make the record books. Uh, News data branched out and added California energy markets in 1989, followed by Northwest fish letter in 96 and water power West in 2004 company also puts out special reports, maintains an energy job database and hosts conferences and webinars among other uh, products. Most recently, news data expanded into podcasts. How about that? In, uh, including Energy West, which you're listening to right now. Thank you. And Public Power Underground, our collaboration with Klatskin IPUD. If you have not listened to it, go check it out. Uh, Jason and I both rotate through representing news data with a really fun group of folks, uh, really fun and smart group of folks from the, the power industry. Uh, through all the changes, though, the mission of news data has remained the same. And I'll pull here a couple lines from our uh, mission slash style guide. We report useful and relevant industry news of all manner, intended to inform, enlighten, and occasionally entertain our clients. We're not an energy industry adversary, nor its good and faithful servant. We seek to reflect the community as objectively as possible. We strive to report the facts without bias and to include as many relevant aspects of a story as feasible. We have no access to grind, nor agendas to fill. And speaking of those additional services, we've got our latest conference coming up June 23rd to 24th, the sixth annual Pacific Northwest Wholesale Power Markets Conference features leading experts sharing insights on regional wholesale power market conditions and near-term outlooks in the Northwest and greater West in general. So for more information and to register, please visit newsdata.com backslash C-O-N-F. That's newsdata.com backslash conf, C-O-N-F. Well, yep. That's uh, that's it for me this week. Thanks for listening. As always, uh, please rate and review our podcast in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen, and let other people know about it. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at dcatchpole, and my host Jason Fordney is on Twitter at Fordney Energy. Yep. Also, would like to extend my gratitude to our listeners and readers. 
You can read more of our coverage at newsdata.com. Nobody covers energy in the West like we do. Follow us on Twitter. CEM is at CEM News Data. That's the letter CEM News Data. Clearing Up is at CU News Data. Again, that's the letters CU News Data. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week. You've been listening to News Data's Energy West, a podcast about the energy industry today and where it's going tomorrow. Tomorrow. 